Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome to another AMA. I'm here to answer your questions. And if you want to get your question answered, you can submit to connect at impacttheory.com. And my man Chase will go through, check for the most amazing questions and get them on here. So please do submit them. It's absolutely amazing. I really, really appreciate you guys sending them in. This is a lot of fun. I, this is my favorite thing to do. Uh, I love answering Q&A. So thank you guys for submitting. All right, first one comes from Ellie Jones. How important do you think it is to have a work-life balance? I'm a hard worker, hard-working, focused grafter, and understand that being obsessive over your goals can be a good thing, but how far should you be willing to tip the balance? Sometimes I feel I'm neglecting other areas of my life, and I don't know if this is healthy. All right, so first and foremost, be very careful who you take advice from. You want to make sure that you're taking advice from somebody who's living the life that you want to live. This is the most important thing that I can think of when talking about advice for anybody on any subject is always, always, always model yourself after somebody who's actually living your ideal life. And that advice was given to me, I forget by who, but I thought that it was really, really smart because what they were talking about at the time was parenting. I was really thinking about whether I wanted to be a parent or not. And the person said that basically if you're modeling yourself after somebody and you want to be a great parent and that person is, let's say, the you know, Michael Jordan of their thing and they're all in and they're pouring themselves into that. And I have no idea if Michael was a good parent or not, but I can tell you that dedicating yourself like that to a craft is going to take time away from your family. So if what you want to be is the Michael Jordan of parenting, you probably don't want to model yourself after the Michael Jordan of basketball. So I say all of that because I love what I do and I have poured myself in completely to my work. So I'm the wrong person to take advice from when you want true balance in your life. So I'm much more of a balance through extremes guy. When I work, I am all in. When I play, God, I want to say that I'm all in. And I am sometimes, but to be honest, like even when I go away on vacation, usually some part of me is focused on the things that I'm working on because I love it, not because I feel obligation or a sense of duty. It's really because I love what I'm doing and I believe in the mission that I'm striving for. And just my day-to-day path in terms of getting to my mission is extraordinarily exhilarating for me. So um, because of that, I'm really, really focused and committed and all in there. So um, if, however, 
you feel like something is missing in your life, then for your own sake, it's probably worth exploring that. You probably want to open yourself up and do those things. You have no moral, you have no moral obligation to work like I work. Um, it really comes down to what's the life that makes you feel most fulfilled. And if you stay focused on that and remember that fulfillment at the end of the day is the only thing that matters, then it doesn't matter if you achieve a certain level of success that's interesting on paper or not. It only matters how you feel about it. So. If you have that feeling that you're neglecting something that's important, you should listen to that and you should act upon it. That's my official advice. Tyler Vigil. When it comes to caring about other people or feeling empathy, do you think it's about looking outward or inward? I'm often not happy or fulfilled and I can't, I often can't relate to others or care about what they have to say. Interesting. Um, Okay, so empathy I think is It's interesting. So I'm going to walk you through what empathy feels like for me. So empathy for me largely is a visceral emotional reaction. So it isn't about um, the code that I live by. So when I see somebody going through something, truly my initial reaction is one of, of empathy and compassion. I feel for them. I know what it's like to be in that position, to be down, to be the person who's losing in that moment, whatever. I just know that feeling so well because I've been that person so many times in my life. Um, so it really is at, at just a, a gut emotional reaction level, that is what I met with. Um, so that's a very inward experience from certainly from seeing something outward. Um, but I would say that my experience of empathy is very internal. Now, having said that, if you're not feeling that, I think everybody should live by a code for those times where you don't have that emotional visceral reaction or the emotional and visceral reaction that you're having is not something that's in line with who you wanna be, where you wanna go, the goals that you have, all of that. So having that code to say, to always meet people with compassion and empathy, to try to understand where they're coming from, even if you're not having that visceral gut level reaction, that you can project yourself uh, with what humans do very well, which is called theory of mind, being able to look at somebody, see their expression, their body language, their circumstance, all of that, and say, this is what it would feel like to be in that position. I think forcing yourself to do that exercise, to go outward, to project yourself into their shoes, I think it'd be insanely effective. So while for me, I would say that empathy is a very internal um, process that happens very, very automatically, if ever I found myself in a situation where that weren't the case, because I so believe in meeting people with compassion where they are, having understanding, um, and that's something that I value deeply in my life, that I would run through that uh, process of really relying on my code to walk me through that, to put me in their shoes and, and have that experience. So for instance, the reason that I hesitated when I was reading your question is because it violates my code to say I often don't care about what people have to say. Like to me, that's a, that's a really rapid way to disconnect from other people. And so one thing that I reinforce in myself and I invest in, in myself is a desire to truly understand, to listen, um, to not just put up with, but really to try to find a way to engage with people, uh, to make them feel something warm and positive. That's just meaningful to me. I get it. That's not where everybody comes from. Uh, But I dig that and that makes me feel good about myself. Um, So that's something that I do. So in those moments where if I am just like, oh my God, like I'm at a party or something and somebody's just talking about something I don't care about, then moments like that, I'm like, hey, this is one of those times where to really engage at a meaningful level, to open myself up, to connect, to try to really understand where they're coming from, even if it's only just to understand why they have a need to 
talk about that thing. Like, what is it? Are they searching for connection? Is it something that's really uh, powerful in their life that they have a love for? Uh, which oftentimes you can get yourself out of like really feeling like, oh God, I'm not interested in this by asking the one simple question, why are they so interested in it? And in that you might find something really revelatory. So that is my advice because I think connecting to people is very good mojo as a human. I think we're designed to do that. So um, running yourself through some sort of psychological cycle to get to that point where you can see and understand where they're coming from, uh, I think would be emotionally valuable for you and them. All right, Daniel Ba. So this isn't Dan Bro. Totally different. All right, Daniel Ba, what is up? All right, as of yet, I have been unable to meditate. I seem to lack the knowledge or ability. I've tried several ways with no success. Can you please recommend skills to accomplish this daunting task? My monkey mind thanks you. Well, dearest monkey mind, here's how it goes. So there isn't any uh, real skill set that you need. So what you want to do is just force yourself to sit down. So Michio Kaku talks about having butt power where you just sit and deal with a problem. So if your problem is that your monkey mind is racing around and you're not good at meditation, the answer is to meditate. And by that, I just mean the mechanistic form of meditation. So you're gonna sit in a very comfortable place. You're going to close your eyes. You're going to breathe. I'll suggest in through your nose, out through your mouth. Wim Hof, who's probably the ultimate breather in my opinion, uh, says it doesn't matter if you breathe through your nose or your mouth, just get the air in, get the air out. Uh, So whatever feels comfortable for you, and the reason that I suggest in through nose, out through mouth is because that's what feels great for me. Uh, And in meditating, it is simply about, it is simply about maximizing the pleasure of every part of the breath cycle. So the only way to do it quote unquote wrong is to um, be dysregulating your breath, which is where I started when I was meditating and I tried to do uh, what's called box breathing. So where all four sides of the breath cycle are equal parts. So the breath cycle goes like this. Your inhale, the inhale hold, the exhale, and the exhale hold. Those are the four parts. So when um, I would try to make them all equal, I found that on the inhale hold, I was really uncomfortable. And so it just got me out of breath. And I was like, I felt so fucking weird. And so I was like, this sucks. So I'm not going to keep doing that. I'm going to really try to make each part of the cycle pleasurable. And when I did that, I found that for me, uh, I have sort of a medium length inhale. I have a very short inhale hold. I exhale the air as I just let it go. So it just goes out when it goes out at whatever speed. Um, And then my exhale hold, I find that I hold really, really long. So I'll probably hold that four or five times longer than my inhale hold. I don't know why. I just find that part of the breath cycle for me to be deeply pleasurable. And if I'm really tired and um, I'm sleepy when I'm meditating, I'll sometimes fall asleep on the exhale hold which has always seemed weird to me because I'm falling asleep precisely because I'm holding my breath because I'm at my most relaxed at that part. Um, And then on top of that, the only other thing that I would suggest is to get some sort of sounds of nature. So I use the Calm app uh, and I usually listen to the sounds of the ocean. Um, So I think the reason that that is so beneficial is there's something that's anchoring you there in the moment because you can pay attention to the sound of the waves, you can pay attention to your breathing, both of which are things that are right here, right in this moment, and will hopefully calm your monkey mind. And then remember, your mind is going to race. That's pretty much inevitable. That's what the mind does. And so all you need to do is practice coming back to your breath, coming back to the sound that you're listening to, whatever, over and over and over. You'll find over time it gets easier. So again, this is butt power. You have to sit and practice. Patrick Perchaka. 
I have a problem with a limiting belief that pops in my consciousness every so often. It's this, I'm lost. So the question is twofold. One, what belief do I replace it with? And two, how do I replace it? Okay, so two is easier. So how do you replace it? You're not going to replace it. So what you're gonna do is you're gonna leverage it. So I always try to leverage behavior instead of, um, don't scroll off. I try to leverage behavior instead of trying to change it. I think that that's the most effective way. So if you know that you constantly get um, this notion popping into your head that you're lost, you're lost, you're lost, instead of training yourself not to think it, what you're gonna do is train yourself to use it as a habit loop trigger to say something positive. So if what you always get is I'm lost, then what you're, might I suggest, because of course you could change it, but a very simple thing to do would be, but I can find the path. So you get the sense, I'm lost, you're gonna say immediately, but I can find the path. And now you're gonna do that all the time, all the time, all the time, and the thing that you repeat in your head over and over and over is I can find the path. Now that puts you in a position where you're just focused on, I can find the path. And because that becomes the thing that you repeat over and over and over, you may find over time that the I'm lost begins to even take on a positive connotation for you because it's so associated with that mental jujitsu of flipping it into, but I can find the path. And then that puts you into something that's action oriented. And so while I'm not going to give you a specific, um, well, I guess, yeah, the belief is that you can find the path. So there you go. That's your number one. Um, that is the what you replace it with. The how you replace it is just using it as a habit loop trigger. So um, that is a nice broad belief to replace it with is that essentially you are the learner. So you don't need to be good, smart, right, intelligent, none of that. Just know that you can learn anything you set your mind to. So given enough time and discipline and dedication, you absolutely can get good at whatever it is you're trying to get good at. So um, having that belief when I'm lost crops up will help you every time. Raya Sony. Whenever someone, friend, relative, cousin, etc., gets a promotion or gets admitted into a good school or gets engaged, basically anything that puts them in a better place than me, I feel bad. I feel like, why is this happening to them and not to me? It's like I secretly wish they fail. It's just so wrong. I feel awful. How do I change this? What should be my attitude towards others' success? All right, this is amazing that you have this level of self-awareness and really amazing that you want to change it. So like 90% of the battle is already done. So now what you're gonna do is you're going to implement a piece into the code that you live by. Remember, everyone, that includes you, should be living by a code. This code is gonna change and evolve over time. You're gonna add to it over time, but you need to start with some basics. So here's a great basic for you. Actually want good things for people. So if you actually want good things for people, one, it is very okay if it starts coming from this gnarly place of like, they got this, why the fuck them and not me? Okay, that's gonna be your habit loop trigger of feeling bad, of wanting them to fail, all of that, which we've all been there. So when you have that sense, you're immediately gonna use that to habit loop trigger you into repeating in your head, I sincerely want good things for people. Okay, cool. It doesn't mean that you don't also sincerely want bad shit for people, okay? We all start somewhere. So knowing that you start there, that's fine, but use it immediately as that habit loop trigger. Repeat to yourself that you sincerely want good things for people and invest in that statement. Don't just say it, don't let it be empty, like really try to embody it. So all right, cousin gets a promotion, cousin gets engaged, whatever. Initial reaction, this sucks, why them and not me? Habit loop trigger, I sincerely want good things for people and now we're gonna sit in that. 
So now that we're thinking, you know what? I sincerely want good things for this person, my cousin, my friend, my whatever. And that's really true. Like I love them. I care about this person. And I'm going to start now envisioning like this thing that they're getting and it going well and me being happy for them and like forcing myself to smile and really sit in that, really embody that joy. And then do something external as well. Call them up, congratulate them, send them a text ultra enthusiastic like don't hold back don't pull punches don't meter your response really let yourself be filled with the joy for them in that moment and you're going to see even though in the beginning it feels like you're kind of forcing it a little bit it's going to start to become more and more real as you embody this stuff this is just the way the human body works it is not a one-way street of reaction and externalization it's externalization which then feeds the emotional reaction so if you get into this loop and just really accept it And I find that people fight that part. They don't acknowledge that that's the way the human mind works. It is a two-way feedback loop. That if you want to change the emotion you have, change what you embody and what you think about. And yes, in the beginning it feels fake. But it really does take over and it really does become real. And all of a sudden, a year from now, you're going to be like, whoa, I actually really do want amazing things for these people because you've so invested in it. You've laid down those neurological patterns so that when something rad happens for somebody, like either the negative impulse completely goes away or it is so short-lived because it's simply that mental jujitsu to get it over into the positive habit loop trigger of reminding yourself that you really do sincerely want amazing things for people. It's super weird, but it works every time. Nicola Murphy. Hi, Tom. I just listened to your podcast on Spotify with Stephen Gundry. Well, thank you. I found it so interesting as I've been breaking out in a rash for a while now and I would and I would have a relatively healthy diet. I know you mentioned in the podcast that you had something similar and you thought you knew what food was causing it. Did you find out what was causing it? So here's the problem with elimination diets. It's, it can be really hard to pinpoint exactly what you took out that was causing the problem. So I think that what I removed from my diet that solved the problem for me was high histamine foods. So I've done a few things, but the high histamine foods is the thing that I um, can most directly associate with the symptoms going away. Um, You'll need to look up high histamine foods. I don't have them all uh, in my head. I can just tell you the ones that I was eating a metric ton of, and that is cured meats. So I ate the world's largest amount of pepperoni, no judgment. Uh, so I was eating a lot of pepperoni uh, because it just makes eggs taste amazing. So I basically cut those down to zero. Um, avocados, I was eating a lot of avocado, a lot of guacamole, uh, and I cut that to basically zero. Um, Peppers, bell peppers, actually, no, that's a lie. Those aren't histamine. Those are what Stephen Gundry was talking about, which is lectin. Thank you very much, Chase. Um, So yeah, those were the two big ones. There were a few other things, though, in my diet, which I'm forgetting right now, which were high histamine. Um, Forgive me for not giving you more. But if you look it up, you'll be able to find a list, uh, pretty simple, and then just figure out which of the things that you have in your diet, remove them. Um, And if I had to guess... Uh, it's probably going to be either lectin or high histamine uh, foods. That's certainly where I would start. If, neither, if that doesn't clear it up and you're really being religious, I would also really look at your vitamin D levels um, as that could have a big impact. And then I would also um, look at just general dysbiosis. So that can also have that kind of effect um, on your skin. So, all right, there it is. 
Max Bibikoff. Hey Tom, I heard you suggest that people tell everyone they know about what they're up to once they start taking action towards their goal. This advice seems to compete with something I've heard in psychology, which is that when we share our dreams, goals with people, we get the emotional payoff as if we actually accomplished our goal already. How do you see these two concepts interacting with each other? I love this question so much that I almost couldn't finish reading it. All right, this is so fucking interesting to me. All right. This is advanced class shit, so I get that some people, this may not be where you're at. You just need to know, tell everybody what you're up to. But if you've tried that and you find that you're still not moving forward, there is this really obscure part of human nature, which is that the the planning for your dream can actually give you the same emotional rush as having your dream, which makes you less likely to pursue it. Now, if we want to get like, doctorate thesis level like deep on this shit, I think it's actually pretty interesting because it doesn't matter. If you're feeling fulfilled, does it matter if you're just fantasizing about it or if you're actually doing it? I'm not sure that it does, but that's like ultra high level stuff. If I were talking to uh, my younger self, for instance, I would say, hey, look, you need to be aware of this thing that dreaming about your dream can actually slow you down, but for whatever reason, that's not a big hangup for me, so I haven't had to worry about that too much, uh, but I've seen that big time in other people, so I find it really interesting. But here's how I deal with them. Because the only thing that matters to me is results, and I judge myself not by my intentions, not by my dream, not by spreadsheets that I put together, but by tangible, measurable results, and that's the thing that really turns me on, then that's how I'm able to to not have to worry about that. I was gonna say break out of it, but I don't even have to break out of it because I don't get stuck in that. My thing is I'm so obsessed with actually achieving my goals and measuring myself based on that progress every day. Like it's one thing that I think freaks the team out because I can look at like a win, we're crushing it, we're growing, but I know that we're not growing nearly fast enough to get where we ultimately wanna go. Like I, I wanna live forever but I'm keenly aware of the fact that as of right now, today, I'm on a one-way street to death. So because of that, like I am so trying to accomplish the things that I want to accomplish right now. So I'm always thinking, how much faster can we move? So I would just audit your personality, figure out where you're getting stuck. Like, is it that you're getting stuck in that or is that not an issue for you? If you get stuck in that, then I would say you still need to tell people what you're up to. You need to deal with that um, the, the talking about it and the fantasizing about it causing a dampening of enthusiasm, you need to deal with that in other ways, such as holding yourself accountable to real results, tracking your real results, really looking at that, writing it down, having a weekly or monthly audit saying, did I actually move closer to my goals, yes or no? And being relentless about that. But by the way, here's the super secret. You ready? Lean in. The key with all of this is that you need to be really amped up about what you're trying to accomplish and feeding into that so that you're letting that become part of your identity and you're making your identity that you're accomplishing these things so that it's fun because this whole process of pushing yourself more and like clawing and scratching and nothing is good enough and going for the moon, it's not about beating yourself up. It's not about like feeling badly about yourself. This is so key. I need people to understand this. It's not about saying, oh, I haven't accomplished this and thusly I feel badly about myself. It's about being so excited that you're willing to go after something so audacious and going all out for it every day. That needs to be fun. That needs to be exciting. You need to be amped up. You need to reward yourself. You need to get really competent at patting yourself on the back for going after that. 
not even for accomplishing it, but for real going after it, marking it down. Am I making progress? Am I moving towards it? Because here's the thing. I want to build a studio bigger than Disney. Will I pull it off before I die? I don't know. I really hope so. But even if I don't, I'm having a ball going after it. I'm having a ball holding myself to that standard. Like it's so cool to me to see how far I can push myself, how far I can go, how much of this we can really do to build a team, to get a bunch of people stoked on this and moving forward and growing as people. Like the process is so cool. So if you fall in love with that process, pushing yourself is gonna be fun and hopefully you won't get caught in that trap. But between you and me, if you get caught in that trap, but it's super fulfilling, it doesn't really matter. Anthony Manning Franklin. Hi, Tom. I have started fervently, nice use of the word, applying everything is my fault and taking extreme responsibility. It has been hugely empowering. However, how do I connect with How do I connect this with the principle of holding people to a higher standard? I know where this is headed. Sometimes it feels like shifting blame, yet not holding others to a higher standard is is shrinking my responsibility, shirking, shirking my responsibility to them. How do I enact these seemingly opposed ideas simultaneously? All right, this is super awesome and way advanced class stuff, but here's the reality. You have to be able to do both. So internally, I'm looking at what did I do wrong? How did I make a mistake? What can I do? And I will go to people and say, look, I'm fully exploring how this is my fault and how I could have done a better job. But now I want to talk about this ultimately was your project, your responsibility. We need to make sure that you're doing the things you need to do. Here's the standard. Here's what I expect. Ultra clarity on what it is that I expect from them. Lay that out to make sure that there's no confusion that they completely understand. And then holding them to that standard. And here's the thing. I only want to be around people that want to be held to that kind of standard. Dude, building a team is like a marriage. And if you don't have the right people, like selection is 80% of the battle. You've got to get the right people. They've got to want to be held to a standard. They've got to hold themselves to a standard. And when something falls apart, they're not thinking, how is this your fault? They're asking how it's their fault as well. So if you're both doing that, then you're not going to have to ride them that hard to hold them to that standard excuse me, because they want to be held to that standard. So selection and then just being honest and saying, look, I'm going to evaluate where I fell down, but here's where I think you fell down. And that also comes down to what is your relationship? Are you somebody that is helping to manage them? Are you um, guiding them? Because if you're not and you're just a peer, then the dynamic of how that plays out will be a little bit different and you're going to have to make sure that you crushed it on that And then also building in the, you crush on that before you tell them how they could have done better. And then you want to make sure that you build a dynamic of trust so that they know it's not coming from a place of trying to shift blame or smack them around, that it's just coming from a place of, hey, I want to win as a team. I want to see you shine. I want to shine. Here's where I think the standard for both of us needs to be. Here's where I think our responsibilities lie. Being totally principled, absolutely upfront, direct. Um, And if you've earned a reputation, this is probably the most important part of this whole statement. If coming into this event, You've earned a reputation of always taking responsibility and holding yourself to a high standard and meeting that standard. Then when you point out to somebody else that they're not living up to that standard, suddenly it's like, well, it's hard to hear. It stings, but they play at an extraordinary level. And if you have that reputation, you're good. Remember, just because you feel it doesn't mean you actually have that reputation. So you need to actually have that reputation. Then people are a thousand times more likely to listen. 
All right, Nikki Olsner. Over the past year, I made a ton of personal achievements, pushing through really shitty circumstances and hard times. I work during the week and try to follow my passion as a side hustle. However, I often have days where I feel like a failure and like I didn't achieve anything in my life at all. I know that on paper this isn't true. Still, I can't be proud of myself and keeping and keep feeling like I'm doing I'm not doing enough or everyone else is somehow better than me. Any thoughts on what I could do to change that? 1000%. Here's what you need to do. Remember this. It's all about the process. It is not about being, it's about becoming. Repeat that. It's not about being, it's about becoming. You need to take pride in becoming something to really strive towards that. That way, your ego is not tied up in actually being great at that thing. Your ego is tied up in sincerely committing to getting better every day and becoming extraordinary at that thing. It's this forever receding horizon line. Okay, you never become the person that you want to become because as you get better, then you want to be better. That's as it should be. But you have to learn to love that process and you have to be really honest with yourself about whether or not you're taking real strides to become that person. If you're taking real strides to become that person, then you should feel really good about that. You should pat yourself on the back. You should reward yourself emotionally for making that progress and not at all beat yourself up for the fact that you haven't achieved it yet. But if you haven't achieved it yet, Using that as the 20% time on the darkness, if you will, to kick yourself in the ass, to get you going, to get your moving, to get yourself moving, like that's also really powerful. So that's how I divvy up my time. 80% is in the beauty, the things that I'm trying to achieve, the value that I want to add to the world, the things that I'm doing right. And then 20% of the time is being deeply dissatisfied with what I've accomplished, pushing myself, reminding myself how much further I have to go. But if you mismanage that 80%, the 20% becomes destructive. So you have to be very, very careful. All right, guys. That's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for submitting your questions. Remember, you can do that at connect at impacttheory.com. And by the way, as a random note, I still can't believe that this is true. But if you don't already know, Impact Theory is a studio, boys and girls. We make this, which I consider nonfiction content, but we're also doing fiction content. Our first comic book is coming out in October. If you're anywhere near New York Comic Con, I wanna see you there. I cannot believe people are telling me that we have not let the world know that we're doing this. Um, So there it is, we're doing this. We're gonna ultimately be making film and TV shows as well. Again, both fiction and nonfiction. So if you're listening to this, You're very aware of what we're doing on the nonfiction side, but if you have any interest in storytelling, make sure that you join us for the fiction stuff. Right now, it's a comic book. It will soon, hopefully, be film and TV, and you can find that, uh, or you can connect with me on the comic side at at itcomics.com. Wow, I so lied. At itcomics on Instagram. Uh, We're going ham. Again, the book comes out in October. October 3rd, I think, is the exact date. New York Comic Con, if you're going to be around, make sure you uh, give us a shout out. It'd be awesome to see you. I'll be there. Um, We're also going to have, the book is uh, in conjunction with a celebrity. We haven't announced who it is yet. I think you guys are going to be stoked. I know I am. Um, And just to start the rumor mill running, it's somebody that I've interviewed. So there you have it. All right. Until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care. 
Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.